Unsexy Business with Jamie Waller. Hi, this is Jamie Waller and welcome to my new series of podcasts called Unsexy Business. The podcast ties in with the release of my new book of the same name, details on that later. In this series, I'll be talking to a range of business owners and entrepreneurs. This isn't about Silicon Valley style corporations or the latest tech initiative. This is about traditional business models, thoughts and plans that could easily have begun in a pub or your own garden shed. Simple ideas that have become multi-million pound companies. It's these stories that interest me. From plumbers to parking, penny suites to second-hand cars, I'll be meeting the people behind some of Britain's most successful businesses. Welcome to Unsexy Business. My guest this week is 27-year-old Thomas Delgado, the founder and CEO of We Buy Cars Today, one of the UK's leading car buying websites. The company started in 2010 and in 2018 is predicting a £9 million turnover. I began by asking Tom about his own background before becoming an entrepreneur. I studied for two years at, at university, economics and finance, and realised that I didn't really want to work for anyone. So I started a business with a friend of mine um, in Hertfordshire, because I, I was going back and forth because I had a girlfriend at the time that lived in Hertfordshire. So four days we were in Brighton, three days we were back in, in, uh, in Hertfordshire. And um, I started a business with him, and we was making some money, not a massive amount of money, but it was making a few thousand pounds a month. Um, fairly low risk with cars. Yeah, it was it was a it was a car site with a portable office. I think it was four hundred pound a month rent, and we had twenty odd cars in there. Most of the money that was invested in it was his. Um, but I'd do all the online side of things. He would go out and find the cars, and uh, we'd divide it based the profits based on how much time I spent and how much time he spent. And it and it went okay. That was the first business that I'd formed as a, you know with a partner. Um, first business that we'd actually formed. I'd ever been part of, I suppose, but. Um, his mum uh, was an entrepreneur. She had a very successful uh, cleaning business, multi-million pound organisation, 200 plus staff. So, yeah, he'd already done that stuff with his mum or, or seen how it was done. So I suppose I was guided by, guided by him on a lot of that. Um, and we did that for about a year and a half, uh, 18 months in. I said, you know, I want to do my own thing. And he said, yeah, I want to do my own thing as well. Um, I think his, he, some more money was coming in from his mum. See, so, yeah, we did. And I had enough money by then to do my own so I started a, a business uh, on Gumtree. I had little little adverts on there saying, I'll buy your car. Um, I had access to a van. Uh, a friend of mine had an old P-Reg uh, Ford Transit pickup vehicle that I could use. That I'd give him a little bit of money for. And luckily enough, he would fix cars as well. So if I bought anything that needed some work, he, w- he would fix it. So yeah, that's how it started really. Yeah, so I didn't, I didn't leave university until uh, the end of the second year. So I'd been running my own business for about five or six months. It's not for me. And I remember them saying, no, 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 you have to, you know, you got this far, you have to continue. And, and I just said, no, I'm not going to do it. My heart's not in it anymore. I was set to probably get a 2-1 and, you know, I would I would have been able to get a job at the end of it with, with the qualification. But I just said, no, it's not, it's not what I want to do. So it was a, a <laughs> it was we buy any car now. <laughs> so it was very similar to we buy any car. I had the domain name, webuyanycarnow.co.uk. Uh, that eventually got taken off of me for obvious reasons. <laughs> uh, but it got a lot of good traffic. And yeah, I, I took advantage of the fact that we could take a phone call and pick the car up within a couple of hours. And that was the key USP. Obviously, We Buy Any Car was very early stages. but uh, They were certainly in the market to buy vehicles. Um, and they were on TV and on the radio. And mm-hmm. it was that time of that real catchy... Uh, phrase I think there was a big football tournament on at the time or something like that and, and they were all over the TV all the time 
I'd left uni and I had to pay the rent. But six months leading up to that, I had it was more casual. I didn't have the pressures, I suppose, of having to pay the rent. I was at uni and and what have you. So after that six months, when I left university and, and moved back, I did have to start paying the rent because. I couldn't ask my nan to take me back in after two years. Um, so I got a small flat with my girlfriend at the time in Hoddesdon. But yeah, it was cheap It was cheap rent and I had enough money there to keep us going. And, and it was probably somewhere around four or £5,000 a month. I really didn't want to do that. But my dad at times like, no, you have to write a business plan. You have to sit down and, and plan it out and, and forecast how you're going to do it. And I think everything I wrote in there, none of it actually went that way but at least you know it was probably good it was good advice to, to sit down and, and have a plan of such I probably put aspirations in there that were so skewed you know I remember I found a bit of paper when I moved house actually that had a had a thing on there saying that I had to buy and sell six cars and I thought uh, a month how can my targets have been so low and why did, why were they not you know sky high but I suppose I was only aiming for what I thought was achievable at the time so so yeah that, that's how it started out I rented a, a, a small warehouse on a cucumber farm, um, two minutes from where I lived at the time, and it was £600 a month. But it looked good, and, and it worked, and it got cars sold. So, Yeah, so, I mean, the way it would work was people would see the adverts online, they would phone the call centre, which was obviously divert to my mobile phone, it was an Otobo number that diverts to my mobile phone, and I would be the um, receptionist, the valuation team, the customer service rep, and I would actually physically change my voice on the phone each time I called back. When I was the driver on site, so I would obviously go in this borrowed van and, and look around the car, and then I'd have to phone my manager. I would phone my mum or my girlfriend or put my phone on silent and make sure it wouldn't ring, and all that stuff, and pretend yeah. I was on the phone. And the uh, perhaps uh, anger of people if, if the price changed initially and it was a good way of me deflecting it saying look I'll do my best for you you know I'll, I'll, I won't tell them about this and that and that but I have to tell them about this and it was a way that I pitched it that kept them happy and got the deal done and and uh, then I would say oh I'm going to call the accounts team now and I'd jump in the van on my phone on 3G trying to transfer the money online and all that sort of stuff <laughs> in this P-Reg transit I once went to I can't remember where in Wales but it was a, it was a bloody long way it was about five hours uh, I remember going around these these mountains that looked like you know if you fell off the edge you'd, you'd never be found. But yeah, in this really old van that would do about fifty miles an hour, on the back of hoping that this car that I was going to see would make a profit or you know would be as good as they said it was. And I remember being there about five five hours away, and the girl said, you know, once we made the offer, oh no, just leave it then. I remember thinking, five hours away, <laughs> it's probably spent a hundred pounds worth of fuel, and I need to get back now. Um, and then jumping back out of the van and trying to, and then eventually doing a deal with her. So I would never let them know that I'd driven five hours to, to go and look at the car because, um, yeah, there'd be no negotiation whatsoever. It was necessity, really, because I, I saw from a very early stage, probably I went to a few deals that I couldn't, couldn't win the customer over and thought, God, I need to do something about this. I think it was speed. The fact that I, they had someone on the phone straight away to give them an instant offer. At the time, I didn't have any data API feeds or anything like that. It was all just jump on the trader with an iPad with a phone to my ear and, and find out what I could give them for it. So it was live negotiation and also the fact that we could, you know, pick it up within two or three hours. So it would be the pitch back would be, all oh, right, well it's it's one thousand two hundred pounds, but I can have someone there within an hour or two hours. So and that would work. Um, and we've kept as best as we can to those 
USPs to now. It would mostly be night time, so I'd, be, I'd get it back, clean it in, in the dark, uh, have some floodlights on, on the headlights on, on other cars to, to clean it up. Um, next day, take pictures, get it online, and then, and then sell it. I'd always sell under the market value, always. So t- to be the cheapest would, would sort of ensure our sale the quickest, really. And again, try to stick to that as best we can now. If they did, like I say, I was lucky enough to have uh, a friend at the bottom of the road, really, who was lending me the van, who also repaired vehicles. He owned an MOT station. So he could do a lot of the work for me, and it was very cheap. Yeah, it worked out. You're listening to Unsexy Business, and my guest this week is Thomas Delgado, the founder and CEO of We Buy Cars Today. I eventually launched another one, I think, Sell Your Car Now or something like that. It was similar. It was a good domain name, and, and I got traffic from that, but we built a proper website with that. I went to a company, and I had money by then to, to have a website designed. But yeah, it, it just didn't get as much traffic as we buy any car now. A good friend of mine said he'll come and work for me. He was working at an estate agent's, um, and I said, yeah. Um, I don't know at what stage that was, if I'm honest, but probably about five or six, five years ago, I'd say. He said, yeah, I'll come and work for you. Um, if you can pay me a wage, I only want a wage. I don't want to have any of the profits. And I took him on, and he would be out in the truck he, had his, he bought his own truck, in fact, which helped me quite a lot at the time. It was at that stage, probably after two or three months of him being there, I said, you know, I need to get bigger premises. And um, again, went and knocked on doors and called farmers in the, in the yellow pages. And, and a farmer called me back. Um, and this was a chicken farm this time. And um, he had an old poultry house, which is a big old warehouse, about 14,000 square feet, um, that he didn't want very much for. Um, because it was in in a pretty bad state. So I went out there and said, yeah, I'll, I'll take it on. And spent about a week or two weeks just jet washing it down and cleaning all the, the chicken mess out of there and painting the floors and putting signs up and probably spending way too much money. Um, but getting it getting it professional. It was about five five miles up a country lane. So customers would often phone us saying, are you sure I'm going to the right place? <laughs> Mobile phone reception was pretty poor as well. So... When we went there, that was when it really spiked um, because I had the ability to take the phone calls um, and obviously, like you say, sell the vehicles and, and keep the, the wheel turning all the time. By this point, we'd, we'd launched We Buy Cars Today. Again, I, I realised that with Sell Your Car, uh, now I think it was, like I said at the time, the keywords weren't right for what people were searching for, hence the We Buy part of We Buy Cars Today. Um, and when we did that and started investing some money into SEO and pay-per-click, it was fairly similar to We Buy Any Car, but distinguishable in the sense that it wasn't the same. I'd spend a lot of time online uh, Googling you know, the best ways of doing it. In fact, I used a, an SEO agency in the UK, and um, when they were working for me, it was quite expensive at the time. I remember it was about two and a half, three thousand pounds £3,000 a month, which was a lot of money at the time um, for marketing. And I noticed that they were getting a lot of indirect traffic from Pakistan so I thought well, they must be outsourcing a lot of this and then when I did some more research there was a you know, whole host of companies that were English speaking Pakistani staff um, who could offer these services for you know 15-20% of the cost at that stage I moved across and started to do that mm-hmm. and it worked very very well for a long time there was some communication issues and you know, it wasn't always easy but it was definitely worth it it was within that period of time I started to hire staff then. I'd spend hours on GoDaddy um, 
searching for domains that were similar and I had a big spreadsheet of all these domains that were available and mm. I just sift through them and, and eventually bought We Buy Cars Today. Within six months of being at the chicken farm, we'd made over £80,000. So it was it was going well. That mm. profit, that was you know net profit before tax, obviously. And I remember my dad coming in at that time because I had no idea as to what to do with accounts and books and it was all very new to me. It was all on the back of a you know a, a napkin really up to that stage. Yeah. And he sat down with me and built, helped me build some spreadsheets. And he said, you know, you're obviously doing pretty well now. And uh, at the end of it, I remember sitting there anticipating, you know, God, is he going to be negative about this? Is he going to say, you know, you've made £10? And I remember him coming back, sort of leaning back and saying, well, you know, you've made about 80,000 quid or something. And I was pretty chuffed. It was clear to see. I mean, we, we when I first moved to the chicken, chicken farm, there was six or eight or maybe even 10 cars there. Um, but we had, you know, 40 cars by that point, and it was this big old warehouse starting to fill up, and I wasn't just paying for dead space, so um, it was moving forward, and I had staff by then, as I say. I think within a year, um, I had 12 staff or 15 staff, something like that, and it had grown really, really quick. So we had uh, mechanics that were working in the workshop at the back. We built this bespoke workshop and had vehicle lifts. Again, I think probably a bit naively, I thought this is what I have to do to, to make the business grow. I have to hire more people. I have to go and you know build a workshop. I have to go and build offices, professional offices, and and that's what I did. It was more money than you know, obviously, all my friends were making and that sort of thing. But it wasn't you know, it wasn't millions of pounds I was making in profit. It, yeah, it was comfortable, but it certainly wasn't where I wanted to, to be forever. There were drivers, um, there were cleaners, there were guys that would sort of take the vehicles outside, wipe them down as well, and take the photos. There were two guys in the office that were helping me sell as I said there were mechanics there was way too many staff um, yeah I remember getting to a point where I had an issue with a member of staff and I thought Jesus what do I do now and um, I went to a HR lady a contractor that was, was advertising online and she was very helpful and helped me get through that and we still up to, to, to recently have used them um, to help me sort of understand the legality of it all but again a lot of it was self-research online and just jumping on Google and finding out what you can and can't do really. There was no managers. It was all on me. Yeah. You know, I was everyone's manager and yeah, the accounts, the books, all the firefighting, that was all me at the time. And it did get quite tough. But certain things haven't grown that I thought would in terms of, you know, staff numbers and and that sort of thing. I think I learned lessons at an early stage from that. Expensive lessons. And it's evolved into more of a platform really than, than a a labour-intensive business. The premises have always been, what can we afford to buy? That is the honest truth. It's always been whatever we can get our hands on. If it had a profit margin in there, we would buy it. Pro- you know, probably two or three years ago, pretty much to our demise, really, because we would buy a lot of older cars that were cheap, and we'd buy a lot of them, and the law changed um, in 2015, where the warranty aspect of, of vehicles after the sales was pretty hefty. It went from being two or three months of you have to fix some things to six months so if you have to fix everything after sale and that changed the model you know we, we couldn't afford to buy and sell cars for 500 pounds because they just went wrong and the margins were only five or six hundred pounds at the time so yeah it just it just couldn't go on like that and, and again it evolved into looking at returning on capital employed rather than just how much is that vehicle making so yeah it's changed a lot by that point i think that's when Simon came on board, the senior guy. 
I thought, well, we need to push the business forward, but I need some someone who knows what they're doing and um, who's got some experience. And he came on board. Um, and by this point, we've got a few more staff now, um, some girls helping out in the office, and, and it's all moving forward well. And yeah, we, we grew it pretty quickly. We had a lot of cars there and grew that business quickly. Um, that was called Auto Hub at the time. Uh, but that was very much cheap cars, as I said earlier. So £500, £1,000 cars that we buy, clean up, sell. So Auto Hub selling the cars. We buy cars, there was always the, the website to buy the stock in. But it was a successful business and it was very, very, very busy all the time. We probably had got to the point where we had about 100 cars in stock, um, all fairly cheap cars. It worked well as a model. Until the regulation changed, like I say, and we had to give a lot more warranty around what we was doing. It, it was fairly quick overnight. Yeah, it had always been the Sales of Goods Act and then it changed the Consumer Rights Act. Because we were FCA approved and we were doing finance and stuff, we had to obviously you know, need to make sure that we were um, abiding to, to what the rules and regulations were. Um, so we, we trimmed it back. We said, right, well, we can't do those cheap cars anymore. There's no way of making profit from them. Um, we need to focus on the more expensive vehicles, the three or four thousand pounds, but we can't buy as many of them. Uh, the appointment fees have always been a source of income. So with we buy cars today, when we book the customer in, we take a small fee off of them um, as an element of commitment to the appointment, um, and that would be a, a source of income as well. Probably early twenty sixteen, Q one, Q two, twenty sixteen. Business is running really well, making good money. We buy any car has always been a fairly sizable company. They had a big marketing budget from the beginning and we want any car the same um, they're the two key competitors so they've always been sizable and fairly uh, slow to respond I'd, I'd say end of 2016 um, um, we're, we're dabbling a little bit of sending some cars to auction with a new auction company called Aston Bartley after they've called and said oh you know we're interested in this market Manheim have got their car buying company BCA have got theirs, might be something we're interested in. So we dabbled a bit with that and bought and sold a few cars with them. Three, six months, didn't really go anywhere. So we say, no, back to retail. And we always carried the retail on anyway in the background, not as big as it is now, but then we, we reverted back to that and focused on that um, late 2016. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's always been my vision of it really, is sort of to increase the fluidity of assets um, at the minute it's cars but there's every chance that in the future it'll be other things as well profitable um, I'd like to think growing at a good rate I'm very confident in the team that we have behind us more recently we've we've moved premises uh, to, a, to a larger site but yeah that's that's the last year has really been where we've knuckled down understood the business I think understood us, I've certainly understood myself a lot more um, and what I want to achieve um, and where we're going really so because vehicles in themselves are a fairly cash intensive business you have to um, speculate to accumulate with them and you have to keep the money invested until that vehicle is sold and obviously I suppose my aspiration to grow um, means that uh, we never have enough stock uh, yeah, weakness up to now has been space which I'd like to think we've uh, improved greatly on Two key weaknesses. Things I'd like to improve, of course, but um, opportunity-wise, in terms of the amount of what we're converting um, based on the demand, we're supplying very little, and we can supply a lot more. So we're working at about 0.25% of 
uh, quotes into actual purchases and that to me is a massive massive opportunity with the cash flow there with the current infrastructure I know that we can increase that greatly and increase the profitability with the right people um, behind the accounts and, and the right measures and controls so the opportunity really is that the market is growing it's it's forged a very strong place in the automotive industry it used to just be part exchange uh, when you're looking to sell or sell privately and it, and it's certainly carved a big part of that market um, the car buying companies I should say and it, and, it, and it looks set to stay so so yeah they're, they're the key opportunities I think the threat one of the, one of the key threats is autonomy and um, electric vehicles uh, people change fossil fueled vehicles because they wear out and they start costing more money Will that happen with electric vehicles? Don't know at the minute. I think the mindset will probably stay similar in terms of the age of a car. Whether they wear out as quickly or if they start costing more or not is yet to be known. I'd like to think that we've fought off a lot of the competition over the years and, and found, carved a good niche. There have been companies that have sort of come and gone, if you want to say that, over the period of six, seven years. Um, that I've seen at the time, I thought, oh, blimey, I wonder if they're going to, uh, muscle in but I think the fact that we focused on SEO from an early stage has, has paid dividends because we've been able to capitalise on that and maintain that for for a good period of time for over three years now we've always you know, maintained a good solid structure online um, and always had very very healthy stats in terms of traffic so yeah there'll always be competition but the market's big and the market's growing we're, we're a convenience nation I don't think anybody wants to put their car on auto trader anymore mm-hmm. And hence the fact that all traders spend an awful lot of money to make sure people still do that. So yeah, I think the, the car buying market will continue to grow, not at the rate it has been growing over the past five or six years with We Buy Any Car. But uh, yeah, there's some, some big players heavily invested, such as Mannheim and BCA, behind those brands. Um, and they're certainly not going to go away overnight. So. Don't forget, there are 11 business leaders in this series, all with different stories about how they took a very simple idea and transformed it into a multi-million pound success. Sometimes traditional thinking really does pay. All of the interviews featured in Unsexy Business are also featured in my new book of the same name. There you can read the more in-depth stories behind these entrepreneurs and their impressive journeys to success. There's also one or two anecdotes that we couldn't possibly put into the podcast, along with hundreds of tips on how you can start and build a successful business too. If you get over to Amazon, you can buy a hard copy or digital version of Unsexy Business now. It is also for sale in most major bookshops, including Waterstones and WH Smith. And remember, if you enjoyed this podcast, then please subscribe on your podcast app. This means that you'll get each new episode automatically. Do join me next time, and until then, goodbye. Goodbye.